The Law Report with Tyrone Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. I'm joined this evening by Labour Law Attorney Michael Bagram. And, of course, being the first Monday of the month, it's Labour Law. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, good evening, and thank you. I'm very excited about this evening. We've got lots of interesting questions. Hopefully, people will be phoning in as well. So we've got lots of discussion about Labour Law. So anyone who's involved in employing someone or being employed or having been somehow treated badly at work, this is the right program for you. Definitely. So as Michael mentioned, we do have a few emails to get through. But in the meantime, you can call us on 0892-102010, Just leave your name and number with the producer and we'll call you back as soon as we're done with the emails. Is your small business or business idea brilliant? Do you know how to pitch your business idea effectively? Would expert business advice help you take it to the next level? Pitch and Polish, in association with SAFM, is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business or idea, then we invite you to take part in the SAFM Wildcard Competition. You will have the opportunity to pitch your business or idea live on air and stand in line to win great prizes. To enter, go to www.pitchandpolish.com or phone 011-566-2000. Terms and conditions apply. The Law Report with Tyron Key. The Independent Communication Authority of South Africa, ICASA, invites people with disabilities and their representatives to public hearings to develop a code for people with disabilities in relation to telecommunications, broadcasting and postal services. Members of the public and community organisations are also encouraged to participate in a process that will ensure the rights of people with disabilities are taken into account in the provision of ICT services. The public hearings will be held in various provinces of the country until the 11th of July. For more information about the dates, venues and time slots for the public hearings, please contact Mavongo Makatu on 011-566-3429 or email to mmakatu at ikasa.org.za. Right, Michael, we have to get through some emails and let's start off with one from Eddie who says, I am employed at a service station with a gas retail outlet where I deal with sales and stock. Part of my duties is to assist when the staff member is busy. I would like assistance with the questions listed below. And here they are. He says, my working hours are Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. with one hour for lunch and Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. I am monthly paid. My wife has a heart condition and has appointments with a cardiologist in Durban annually. I'm based in Matateel at 340 kilometers away and I have to take a day's leave. Is this correct? On election day, was this an official holiday as we had to report to work as usual and told we could vote after five if we wanted to vote? I have no contract with this company. Okay. Well, he says no contact. I was no. assuming he meant no contract. Yeah, no, I presume it is no contract. Well, let's have a look at it because this is interesting because he is working a lot of overtime, if you have a look at it, because he works every day, Monday to Friday, from 7 to 5, and he has an hour for lunch, which is correct. And then Saturday is from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m., so he's doing a lot of overtime, and I presume he's getting paid his overtime, which is one and a half times his normal rate. He then says that monthly he has to go, or well, once a year, he goes to the cardiologist in Durban with his wife, 
and he has to take a day's leave, and that's correct. His, his employer is absolutely correct. It is a day's leave. Um, uh, it's good of him to go with his wife and look after her, but he must take that day's leave. It's only once a year, so it's not a problem. He then speaks about election day, and we've heard quite a lot about this, in that many employers, and I'm not sure why they did that, pretended that they didn't know it was a public holiday. It was a declared public holiday, and people who worked on that day, and they would only work if they were asked to work and agreed to work, they're entitled to double pay on that day. And for them to say that he can go and vote after five if he wanted to vote, that's really unfair and wrong. Uh, the contract, well, they're supposed to have a contract in terms of labor law, but if he hasn't got one, well, his terms and conditions are as per what he's working and what he's described to us. Hopefully this does help him. So, Eddie, I must tell you, you must look at your overtime. You might have to go down to the Department of Labor to get that. They are entitled to tell you to take a day's leave, and you must get double pay for the election day that you worked. Right. Next one says, My employer called me to train for two weeks, of which there's no problem as I managed to attend all the days, but some of the days were not paid due to misunderstanding of failing to negotiate in time for training. When reporting on duty, I found a replacement officer on site. I was told to report to head office for training. My circle stipulated that I'm on duty. On the timesheet, it's written off duty and I was not paid for the day. How do I claim this if it's claimable? Yes, it is claimable. And if he was supposed to be there and he did report for duty and he did actually work, then you must get paid. And it doesn't matter what the timesheet says, you must go and have it corrected. And his colleagues would obviously be able to vouch for him and explain that he was there and that he worked. And therefore, it's claimable. And if he's not getting any payment for it, he can go to the Department of Labor and get the payment. That shouldn't be a problem. Right, okay. Um, next one. Uh, we is, uh, you'll have to just forgive me. I might stumble a little bit. I've got two here that were written in Afrikaans. I'm going to be trying to translate as I go along. Um, the first one is from Gershwin, and he says, about four years ago I worked at a company, which was from 2006 to 2010, and he says, we went on holiday in December, and I'm assuming the company closed for the December holidays, and um, never ever heard from the company again. He went to the labor office and they told him that he has to get, oh, first of all, told him the company isn't registered and that he must get his UI90 form um, from the company. But the company is in KwaZulu-Natal and he tried to call them, but there was no reply. And then he gave the name of the company, which I can't actually mention on air, and he wants to know, can you please help him? Now, isn't this a bit late now? Yeah, it's very late. He's long over time and long out of time with this at four years. He, he would obviously try again with the Department of Labor, but it doesn't look like the company is in existence. Uh, he's referring, in fact, to the UI-19 form, not the UI-whatever he said, UI-19. Um, what he should do is actually come forward with at least some of his pay slips if he's got them and then see if um, they can possibly help. Uh, I have a suspicion this is in the construction industry and there is a bargaining council that he can go to and that might even be more useful. Now, if he's uh, been following this up since then, would that well, not sort it of would help stop him, the yes, times? And it, would, yeah. it would stop the times and he should be able to get at least whatever payment he hasn't received. So it looks like he could, but I have a feeling in my water that, in fact, this company has been deregistered and doesn't exist anymore, and he'll probably never be able to find them again. So I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't spend too much time and energy pursuing them because I think it's a bit of a pig in the poke. In yeah, because he said, I mean, when he went to the, the labor office, they already told him the company yeah, wasn't was registered. So yeah. not even that it was registered. Um, it was, it, by the looks of it, was never registered by the sounds of it. So, you know, they've obviously just done a fly-by-night little disappearance. And it was four years ago. Yeah, so, so it's a bit late. And then yet another one in Afrikaans. Um, this is from Deandra, who says uh, it's about her father, Desmond. And he's a fisherman. The father is a fisherman. And two years ago... Um, he hurt his thumb while he was out fishing, and apparently it was he slammed it against what was hit against some ice, and it almost amputated the thumb by all accounts. And after two days, he was taken to the hospital, and um, he wasn't he wasn't paid apparently, and he wants to know what could be done about this. Well, you have to obviously go to the Department of Labour again and find out from the Compensation Commissioner's office whether it was ever been registered. He could still be in time because it was two years ago mm. and you can do it on, in a three-year period. Um, the real problem that we've got here is that they might not have actually, the company might not have actually completed its paperwork and sent it in. Uh, but I think this is worth pursuing and maybe uh, Deandra can go and help her father by going down for him um, and getting to go to the Department of Labor, ask for a compensation office, compensation officer, and also bring the pay slips again and the ID um, of her father so that at least then she can get it registered and see what's happening and maybe follow up on it. Um, okay. It's not, it's not completely lost. Oh, uh, so it's still way. in time, but don't leave Correct. it too much longer. Right, Jacob says, I hereby request legal advice uh, sh I should consider against the Department of Education. It's been six months down the line. I've been recruited on a permanent basis, but without pay. Now, that just sounds really weird. Yeah. He says, I've exhausted all internal processes of communication without effective assistance. A direct communication I received was that the department is awaiting for Treasury to pay in order for the department to pay its staff. I request guidance in terms of labor as to what measures I should deploy in averting a long overdue payment. My debts have accrued substantially to the extent of knowing how to make a proper arrangement of payment. Can you please advise me what I'm supposed to do? I keep on experiencing depression and I can no longer cope at work. I'm based in the Eastern Cape, Eastern Free State, under the Tabomafunsanyani district. Okay, first of all, Jacob has to understand that there's no such thing as a permanent basis of employment but without pay. So there's been some major mix-up and he doesn't seem to be on the, on the system uh, government, when government departments employ you, they put you on a special system and they register you through that system. And it doesn't look like that registration, for some reason or other, hasn't gone, it doesn't look like it's gone through. So what he has to do um, is, the, he's also unionized, because I know that he is very strongly unionized in the Department of Education. And my strong advice to him would be to get hold of the union, uh, find out uh, who the shop steward is in the district, get the shop steward to work on this, and if necessary, even declare a dispute through that bargaining council. They do have a bargaining council, and the Department of Education is heavily unionized. So there's no, there's no reason why he can't get advice and can't pursue this properly. He needs to sit on the back of that union and push them, because already, as he said, there's six months down the line, so we... We're losing time quite rapidly. And then, of course, he hasn't been paid for six months. I don't know how anyone can survive. So it's a sorry story. Uh, it's not a completely unknown story. 
because I've heard of this before where sometimes but, people just don't get their money. But what is the story about their waiting for Treasury to pay in order for the department well, to pay its staff? A, is that normal? Yes, it is. It's not normal, but it happens because they've got a, I think it's called Purcell. It's oh, you a, mentioned a, that before. And it's it's a system where you've got to get registered on it. And unless you are, if you've got a personal number, unless you've got that number, they're not going to pay you. And no matter how much people beg and plead, you've got to get through the administration. Um, and I think only a union could be powerful enough to push that one through. Okay, so there is some hope for him here. Yeah. Okay, right. Kuzwayo says, Zulishwa. Because why it says on the oh, this was a bit, oh, this was a program, Michael, that we actually recorded and we we you were away swanning about in Italy, if I recall. Yeah. Um, and you Lots mentioned of pasta. <laughs> you mentioned a story. You told us a story about somebody who had been dismissed for sexual harassment. It was this whole big setup story by these two women that he had, he was um, checking their work or something, and they didn't like that because they weren't doing very well, and so they con they concocted this whole story between them, and this poor man ended up getting fired and had to go to court. It was a whole big drama. It went to the CCMA, actually, I think you said. Yes, it was a whole correct. big drama about him being, um, him. you know, there was a sexual harassment case against him. And he was reinstated, but I don't think he went back. He was, I mean, I wouldn't want to he go back. He got paid out yeah. in the end, yes. And now, Zulisha says, I mean, it's a very good question because I actually wanted to know this myself. He says... Is the manager legally obliged to tell prospective employers that he was once dismissed for sexual harassment? And if yes, what are the implications of the stigma? I'll ask you the second question in a moment. But is he um, obliged to tell a prospective employer, even yeah. though this case was thrown out because it was all a lie, yeah. does he still have to say something? Well, this is a problem, in it, and I was dreading a question like this. I well, must you tell wanted you. to bring up the story yeah, in the first place. Well, there, there was that story, <laughs> and to summarize it quickly, yes, a man was accused of sexual harassment, Two ladies uh, testified for each other. As it turns out, it was all a lie. Um, he wasn't sexually harassing them. He was performance managing both of those ladies, and they ganged up against him, and the one testified for the other to say she had seen the sexual harassment. He was dismissed after disciplinary hearing. It caused havoc in his marriage, and, of course, he got a really bad name in the whole company. He was dismissed. He went to the CCMA on examination of the two ladies. It became clear that they had concocted the whole story and that there was no truth to it at all and it's because they were angry with him. And unfortunately, I've seen other stories like that as well. Uh, we've actually just dealt with one recently again. Um, I won't give you the details of that yet because it's still going to come to the CCMA. But here again was a senior who was accused of sexual harassment. In that particular instance, he was having an affair. And when he tried to call off the affair, she then threatened that she's going to um, complain about sexual harassment. He did call off the affair, and she's taken him to the CCMA. Now, the real problem is, in a case like this, once you've been cleared, um, and Felicia is, is correct, what do you do when you're going to look for another mm. job? Now, do you tell them... Yes, I was dismissed previously because often employers ask. They say, were you dismissed previously? What was the reason? Well, that's his second and question. He says, what reason for leaving that yeah. previous employer who dismissed him must he state on his CV because ultimately he was reinstated? Um, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to just go and put that in my CV. I wouldn't do that because why punish him beyond the grave? Mm. You know, why keep killing him? Um, I suppose what he can do is to say that he had a serious disagreement um, at the previous employer, um, which 
um, he challenged and was proved to be correct. Now, often employers say, well, if you've been to the CCMA, we don't want, to, we don't want you around because you're a troublemaker. Mm. Um, so it's a real problem, and I, quite frankly, should advise people to keep silent unless asked. I wouldn't volunteer it in my CV because, I mean, why go and tell everyone uh, that you've got this problem? If, in fact, they do ask, you can't lie. So you have to then say, yes, I did have a problem at my previous employer. I was ostensibly dismissed, but it was turned around and the courts found it to be untrue and incorrect. And I would give my representative, my lawyer, my consultant or my union as my reference for that. Um, because I've acted as a referee for someone who was dismissed and we got it overturned, and the future employer then phoned me and said, what is the issue here? Uh, why was he dismissed? Why was it overturned? Was it done on a technicality, etc., etc.? And I then explained that it was very, it's very unfair to punish the man beyond that dispute when, in fact, a tribunal has said he's done nothing wrong. Um, and that did work in that particular instance. So this is a horrible question in the sense that you've got, you've got to tread very carefully and gingerly because jobs are so hard to come by. Mm. And if someone is actually offering a job and then they say, well, yeah, but there's no smoke without fire. Because he says, what are the implications of the stigma? You know, know, because there, it is a stigma. It's going to always be in the back of people's minds. Correct. Gosh, well, maybe he did, you know, yeah. which is awful. It's a that's, horrible that's thing to have to live with that. Correct. And I don't really have a satisfactory answer for Kuzwaya. Right. Renee says, I was medically boarded five years ago. The previous company medical aid paid for my chronic condition in full. When we moved over to another medical aid, I was moved onto a default plan that now limits my treatment and doesn't cover my condition. I'm paying more on this medical aid. I can't afford a higher option and now the low one can't pay for my condition. My basic condition of employment has not changed as far as I know. I've asked the company to consider my financial situation, but they say they can't. I'm now faced with more financial strain as I can't afford my previous treatment and doctors what do I do yeah it's, it's a difficult one and this and this question is all over the country medical aid is becoming more and more expensive I know our government is investigating medical aid for the people um, I'm not sure that's ever going to come about but I don't think there's an answer to this um, they have a look at it and they say well when you were boarded we were paying X for your medical aid. We're now paying triple X for your medical aid. And so we've had to downgrade your benefits and we've had to take you to a lower type of medical aid on a default plan, um, as Rene says this. I don't think there's an answer. I think, unfortunately, this is going to have to live with it. Um, and the financial strain is hard to bear. Mm. But at least she's still on the medical aid. But you can't afford a treatment and the doctors that she was correct. seeing. Correct. She'd have to make a move. have to make a move, possibly try and negotiate with them to go to another medical aid that might offer a, a better a better plan. I don't know. But medical aid has become completely horrendous in the sense that it's out of the reach of most, of most workers today. Right. Then we got an email. It says, um, my company I'm working for changed the name. Will I get severance pay? I did email this listener back and said to him, well, did you lose your job? Did your contract change? Apparently nothing changed. He hasn't lost the job. Just the name of the company's changed. Would that then mean that he would get severance pay from the previous company's name or what? No, no, certainly not. Uh, look, we've got 
We've got certain sections in the Labor Relations Act which are important to understand. The first, the first section is section 189. In other words, when you do get dismissed for operational requirements, in other words, you found yourself without a job, you get payment of a minimum of one week's pay per completed year of service. That minimum payment is there for you to tide you over until you find another job. In this particular set of circumstances, he, the company's name changed, but he remained in the job. So there's no, there's no um, monies needed for tiding over. And often employees phone my office and they say, uh, we've now been bought out by another company, or the name change, or someone's bought all the shares. Uh, can I get my severance package? Because people know that mm. you can get a severance. But that's not correct. There's another section in the Labor Relations Act that we need to understand, and that's section 197. In other words, if, in fact, your company is bought out by another company and takes you over as a going concern and you still get your job at the new company, they have to. the new people have to take you over on similar terms and conditions. And, again, you wouldn't get your severance pay because nothing changes um, I had an interesting case a few years back where the judge described it as being uh, a piece of cheese in a fridge. Um, it doesn't really matter who supplies electricity as long as it's kept cold. So you being the piece of cheese, you would be kept cold and comfortable in the fridge. You're not going to go off. Then you're not entitled to anything. So it doesn't matter who supplies electricity in those particular... And it, that came home to me that... The reality is you've not been affected. Well, of course, and, that, that's, that's, of course, banking on the case that electricity is working. Yeah, yeah of course. We won't go down that road. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, next email is from Lindy. He says, I'm not sure if this is the right place for assistance. I was dismissed at work two years ago, and I took the company to the CCMA, and we agreed that the, with the company that I should resign, and they won't be listing me on REDS. I'm not quite sure what REDS is. No, they, they blacklist someone. Okay, she's, I was dismissed for dishonesty. Yeah, correct. The issue is I'm not sure if my name appears on the list as I'm not able to access it. I've also sent this request to the Banking Council of South Africa, but no response from them either. No, it's a difficult one for me to say because you can actually access that list um, and you can ask, um, and I'm not sure why the Banking Council won't help. Um, I would suggest that she goes in or he goes in and asks to see if they've actually blacklisted him in some way. Um, and if they have, then that's very unfair because there was an agreement that there won't be a listing. Um, but I would suggest that you would go in there and ask. Uh, I'm not sure where Linda is, but it's it worth actually say. pursuing. But would this not be, I know because once a year you get a free credit check you can actually would that yeah, not correct. you, you that, could you check could, that on there you could check it on there as well yeah so but they make, do have a, a blacklisting where people are said you can't deal with these people or they can't work in the banking industry okay so can't the, go in it's, it's, you, you I, would, I would suggest in. you go in because if it's got to get any they must have local offices around oh, yes, the country of course yeah. they do all over the place and you you can get in there okay last email trevor says um, I'm de deeply disappointed in our labor law system. We are dealing with an unfair dismissal case in which we were awarded 24 months salary by the judge in chambers, known as a default judgment, as the respondents had not bothered to attend the CCMA or the labor court hearing, even though advised by fax and phone to confirm. The respondents also failed to respond to the default, ju default judgment. A warrant of execution was obtained by the labor court to the sheriff to list the movable goods for attachment and execution. The movable items were listed by the sheriff, but many were left out by his failure to establish all the movable goods. 
He's left the employment of the sheriff's office and on inquiring why no reasons are forthcoming, a warrant of execution uh, not quite sure. A warrant of execution to freeze the bank accounts was obtained. The bank froze the accounts. The respondents now responded and we were ordered to appear in court at, it doesn't make sense, 10 o'clock the next day at quarter to five by the sheriff. Uh, my attorney represented me in court. The judge was not in court and a discussion via telephone was conducted. The net result is a stay of execution was awarded and the bank accounts unfrozen. We have to appear in court again before the 1st of August for another ruling. Please help me. What is my recourse against the sheriff's negligence and the respondents who failed to appear at any of the hearings? We won fair and square. They must pay. Can I take this up further with the Minister of Justice? Well, thank you. No, I, d I don't think so. I mean, our system, actually, the labor law system does work reasonably well. Um, and I think what's happened over here is they've tried to explain why they want to, in some way, uh, try and reverse the default judgment that was granted. They might have to apply for condemnation. Uh, I would, in fact, ask uh, Trevor to go back to his attorney because he has got an attorney to say what papers have they have they um, re registered or deposited with him at the attorney or at the court. I also don't think there's much action against the sheriff because. At this point, whether the sheriff wrote it all up or didn't write it up makes no difference because, in fact, they're going back to court. So what the employer is trying to do is they're trying to reverse it altogether, never mind what the sheriff wrote up or didn't write up. It was a good idea to freeze the bank account because this suddenly woke up the respondent, the company that was the employer, um, which is a good idea because at the end of the day, you want to try and get some money out of this. Um, I think rather spend time and energy preparing for the case in August instead of worrying about getting hold of the Minister of Justice because the Minister of Justice will re merely refer it back to the registrar at the Labour Court. I think work through his attorney uh, and Trevor, your attorney, seems to have been successful up to now. Unfortunately, many people get caught in the slow grinding wheels of justice and this is what's happened to you. It's unfortunate. Right. So if you're wanting to call us now, we're finished with the emails. You can call us on 0892-102010. Just before we take the first call here, Michael, that the second last email that I read to you about being listed on reds, and this was part of the deal. It's, this person would resign and then wouldn't be listed on reds. Correct. I was dismissed for dishonesty. Um, does this not then prejudice the new employer i mean just say for example it's like a bank or something and you're not listed on reds do you have to i mean how would the employer know that you this is what you were dismissed for i mean everyone in that industry in the banking industry in the um in the finance um, industry itself um at that particular point they look up and they put your name and your id number in and they see if they can actually employ you and if your name comes up as being blacklisted, then they won't employ you. Yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is, won't, won't this prejudice the employer? Because, I mean, what if it's another bank or something, and this person, I'm not saying this is what they did, I'm, this is just a hypothetical yeah. question. Say, for example, somebody goes to work at a bank and pretty much cleans out the bank, steals everything, and then doesn't get listed, and then gets employed by another bank and does the same thing. Does that second bank have a any recourse against the first bank? No, they don't actually <clears throat> because there are very strict rules and regulations as to when they have to actually report someone. Oh, okay. And they won't do a deal unless they think that this person is maybe not innocent or maybe not 
guilty. Um, okay. it's, if you're guilty, fair and square, they have to do it. They're obliged to go and report you. But it admits here, Lindy admits that uh, the dismissal was for dishonesty. Yes, might have been for dishonesty, but there might have been no reason. Oh, okay. um, there might have been no actual reason for that. But yes, I mean, once a company says, all right, I let it, can let you resign rather than they're obviously a bit worried whether they can prove the dishonesty. Oh, I see. Okay. And that's that's the case over here. Right. So to the lines we go. Brian in Mpumalanga, good evening. Yes, evening, ma'am. How are you? Very well, thank you. Brian, how are you doing? Fine, fine. Yeah, I've got a question for me to ask you guys there. Okay. Yes, I'm working at a trucking company. But yeah, we've been working here for about five years now, but still no pay sleep, nothing. And then every month we get deducted something like, uh, it comes up to about 2,000 rand, the deductions. What Hello? for? What for? Brian, what are they deducting for? Yeah, they say we must pay payee and then checks, and then also we must pay uh, for the provident fund and whatnot. But now the story here comes. Now one of the drivers he went to check if the money was going there by bargaining council if we were registered and whatnot. But then he checked and then we were not registered there. Oh, this is one of Michael's yeah. favorite topics, Brian. Yeah, I think what you need to do is you need to go at least three or four of you go together to that bargaining council and say you need an inspector to go to the company and do yeah. a proper inspection because Unfortunately, this sounds like an employer's cheating and that they're pocketing your money. I don't even know from what, if they're not giving you a payslip, I don't even know if they're actually handing the money over to the income tax people, to the receiver revenue. Yeah, um, I don't think, I don't think it's probably not. Because, <laughs> so, because this guy who went there and then he found out and then he asked the boss and then now he's on suspension now. You can't do yeah. that. You see, that's the problem. You need to go... I would do two things. First of all, go to the bargaining council and say an inspector has to investigate um, and you can give them all the details and they will investigate because they want people to join their bargaining council if, in uh, fact, it's trucking. And uh, and the next thing you can do also is you can get someone to go with you or go yourself to the receiver revenue and say every month they take off 2,000 rand. I don't think they're paying. And they have got inspectors. They, they're very powerful. They will go and check it out and make sure this doesn't happen. But I think you must do it quickly because uh, the longer this happens, the more difficult it is. And maybe one day your employer will run away and disappear. Um, the country's losing. You're losing. Everyone's losing. So it's no good that. Now, so, Michael, you actually, we had this question a couple of weeks correct. ago, and you explained what somebody like Brian would be losing if his money wasn't being paid into the bargaining council. Correct. You, you lose everything because there's no pension, there's no medical aid, there's no holiday pay. Uh, Brian, please, you must go and do something about it to help all your colleagues as well uh, who are working with you. Because if they're uh, doing it to one person, then they're doing it to everyone. And my, and Brian, don't go to the boss. Go to the bargaining council. Go to the bargaining council. council. They'll keep your name secret. Yes, yes. Because you don't want to get suspended. And surely, Michael, that, that, that's not right either. No, absolutely wrong. So they'll sort it out. Ah, okay. no. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck to you, Brian. Ah, okay, thank you. Thanks. Good night. This, this seems to this trucking thing. I mean, and well, we have a lot of truckers who, who call in. But, I mean, this thing... This is like the third one in the last two programs we've had with people with problems where yeah. the, the money isn't getting paid over. I, I tell you what the problem is, and we need to explore it further when we discuss this. 
when people are in the trucking business, they often, most of the truckers often feel that uh, they're independent contractors. So many of the employers say, well, you invoice us or we'll draw up an invoice for you and you then get paid once we have got the, received this invoice. So many of the people are not treating them as employees. They feel that these men are going out, they've got no control over them, uh, they have to deliver and then they pay them per trip. That's how they do it. Now there's a whole lot of problems with that. First of all, they are actually employees because they're getting 100% of the income from that company and then you go through that uh, Section 200A of the Labor Relations Act and you'll see that they're actually defined as employees. The second problem is because people get paid per trip, it means that you're forcing them to drive when they're tired, you're forcing them to drive too fast, you're forcing them to not stop, um, have rests. It's an unhealthy exercise. There's all sorts of problems. So the trucking industry is rife with exploitation, uh, really rife with it. And we need to do a whole program just on trucking. Just on trucking, and we can explore those bargaining councils. It might be interesting to find out exactly what is going on. It's just on, because I find it quite alarming how many people call us uh, who are well, truck drivers they, they and are all having, their, and all having problems. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's alarming. I mean, it's yeah, no, we need to do a whole show just on trucking and what's going on in the trucking industry because I think it seems to be a huge problem. Not every, no, we're not saying all trucking companies are a problem. No, 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 we can't just say seem, that. It just seems to be a lot of problems in the industry is what I'm trying Correct. to say. Absolutely. Right. Well, before I get to Zama in Durban, just a reminder, if you have any questions, 0892-10-2010, 0892-10-2010. Zama in Durban, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Fine, thanks, and you? Very well, thank you, and thank you for the lovely show. Thanks, Zama. I, I have a, a question here. Um, I, was, uh, I had a case uh, with my employer last year, it's exactly a year ago, in capacity. And uh, the company, Dr. Sion, found that there was, I was partially, permanently unable to perform my duties at the time. However, um, my understanding now is I have since recovered because another ruling was that I be put into another job that is not going to aggravate my condition. My argument at the time was that that condition was going to be cured, eventually provided I'm given a lighter duty while allowing the, the recovery to take place. So, okay. however, management insisted that they believed the condition was never going to be better, so I must be removed from where I'm at and be put elsewhere. It's been a year. I'm still in the same uh, department where I was at the time. I've been doing the duties that I was put on, lighter duties, and sometimes I am on that duty that they said I must not do. So my question is, can I appeal this and have it overturned, or is it late? No, no, it's not late. I mean, you've tried. You've tried to do those duties. You've obviously now saying that it's still making you suffer um, you don't want to get sick again you don't want that to be aggravated so I, I believe you can you can first of all raise an internal grievance get hold of the grievance procedure if you belong to a trade union it would be useful to have them on your side uh, because this this is the true job of a trade union um, and they can and they would be successful on this uh, but I don't think it's too late. I think you need to challenge it. Don't let your health suffer. Also, don't be rude about it. I mean, you you want the job. You want to be able to still work. Certainly. Um, I mean, at the time, because at the time my supervisor initiated it because it was going to be helpful at the time towards what I was going through. 
But I mean, I feel now that I've been better ever since, and all I did was time to heal. But there was some sort of impatience in yeah. the part of management at the time. They just couldn't tolerate it. So okay, now the, the incapacity. I, I, I think I think you you are wise to be able to actually go and take a grievance and stake it up. I would I would try it through the trade union. See if you can get some some joy out of the trade union first. If okay. you can't, then just run that alone, but don't leave it much longer. Yeah, they were helping me at the time as well, but I was just asking if we could have a case or it's better done deal and that decision was final. No, no, it's not final. It can right. never be no, final. thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Anna. Thanks. Good, good night, night to you. you. GM in Toyandu, good evening. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Hello. How are you? Fine. Uh, Sir, there is a, it seems as there is a lot of confusion in terms of uh, labor law uh, on the issue of employing the people with disability. Yes. Right. And you have heard maybe sometimes the government initiative of saying that maybe we need 2% and everything. Whereas even today, they have not yet been reached to that target. No. Now, I want to ask you, can't you have a way where maybe you can come along with the uh, Try to have a try to workshop us with this issue, maybe, or to find a way way to understand this, because really our people are suffering in this in this level. Yeah, that that is correct. In fact, the Department of Labour uh, have taken it very seriously. They are hoping to be able to push up the levels of employment of disability. Um, the reality is, we we still far behind the rest of the world in South Africa. We're not employing disabled people. But I think now with the changes to the employment equity legislation, we're probably going to see a much better push from the Department of Labor. We're also expecting inspectors from the Department of Labor to be able to also investigate and, and assess companies. Um, I, I believe that if you are disabled in any way, you should, whatever your disability, get hold of the people who, um, one of the NGOs that are involved in that particular disability. If they, if those people, and then you can stand together with others who've got the same disability of you, and then they can then pursue it. I know because I've been very involved here in Cape Town with Epilepsy SA, um, mm. and they and they stand up for the rights of fellow epileptics. And. But, but but the problem is that you find that even the Department of Labor too, under <laughs> the, they, I mean, it's very difficult for them to, to even today to outline or to to indicate as an example that they, they can try to reach that target. Yeah. Of employment yeah. of people with disability. I that know. Is I, know. I understand that. Uh, GM, I've, we've got your number because you called in. So what, what I'll do is I'll hang on to your number and maybe what we'll do is do a specific program one day <clears throat> on the law report on disability and employment. And, employment, and, and I'm, then I'm we'll, to do that. We'll, we'll call you and you can have some input into the show. Would you like to do that? Please do that. And, okay. I, and I think also what you need to do is pursue the NGOs in the area of your disability or whoever's disability that you're finding on behalf of so that you can get together with others and find out what is being done out there. Um, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. We'll and talk to you soon. Idea, Thanks. That, uh, right, Robert in Mpumalanga, good evening. Good evening, Karen. Uh, Hello, how are you, Robert? Fine and you. I'm uh, very look, well. Uh, mm. Look, uh, uh, please assist, Jim. We, we have a problem here. 
I'm working. Uh, I'm working for the big companies, which is a national company, right? Okay. So with our company, the company they just initially informed us that they're going to change the ownership, which uh, they're changing the name and uh, they are changing the ownership for the BTE scoring. And we we, we have an, an, a union which is a majority union which has never been consulted with the, the, trans, the transaction. And we challenged the company, we, we read the correspondence to the, to the company to say, look, we, we feel we have not properly consulted about this. And then they are not giving us an accurate answer as to why we're not uh, uh, consulted, because we, we thought the very same transaction is going to benefit the workers as well, because they as well came up with... Uh, the thing that is called the development trust, which will be looking for the education of the employees and so on. But we have never been consulted about it. We just want to know that do we have any uh, legal uh, leg to stand on and challenge and launch a dispute against the company regarding this. Thank yeah. you for listening to the radio. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Yes, absolutely you do. Okay. When, when you have a change of ownership or some sort of transfer that like that, you certainly are entitled to, and especially a union, if it's a majority union, all the more so, you are entitled to challenge that, especially if the union thinks there might be some prejudice to the membership, to the staff, um, in the changeover. In other words, the new employer might be less beneficial or they might not have the financial clout of the old one or something like that. Um, you can, you declare a dispute. Um, if there's a bargaining council, you first refer it to that bargaining council. If there's no bargaining council, to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, Arbitration. And then if it doesn't get settled there, it can even go to the Labour Court. And I think the union needs to do that because otherwise the new company is going to feel that they are entitled to take you over on any terms and conditions. When a new company takes you over, they've got to recognise your previous service. They have to give you the same terms and conditions. And then you also, as a trade union, need to investigate that your future is intact. In other words, you're not being sold to a company that has nothing behind it. And the last one was a wealthy company. So, yes, by all means, push the union to do something as quickly as possible. Right. Mandy in Peter Maritzburg, good evening. Hi, good evening. How are you? Fine, thanks. And you? How can we help? Fine. Thank you. Um, I worked for a large company and left in uh, May the 31st, 2012, and I've been battling to get my last month's payment and all the commission that was due to me. Now, I've got the commission statement, and we've been to the CCMA, and I've been to the Department of Labour, but things seem to be moving so slowly and I've got a lawyer, and he's written to the company. They've admitted that they haven't paid me, but then they still haven't paid me. What kind of recourse do I have? Well, I'm not so sure that you need to go to the CCMA or the Department of Labour. I would, just, If you've got a lawyer, let them just issue a summons for the, whatever the commission is and the last salary. Okay, um, so he can just... Just issue a summons and finish. And, you know, we, we're getting to the three-year period. It's, that yeah. was two years ago. Ask him to do that because I think it'll be cheaper, quicker, and probably give them a shock. Um, okay, so he can just go ahead and issue just a summons. issue a summons out of the magistrate's court. Right. Finished, yeah. Now, can I, um, because I had written to the company a few times, I've got all my documentation, 
and uh, say the commission statement and everything. And the, they say that they'll pay my salary but not the commission, which is like 19000 Um That's just the commission. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, it's can a I sum of money. Ask, if I take on a lawyer, can I ask him to claim his costs against the company? Every decent lawyer will. That's, that's okay. why they're there. They must claim their costs, and he should get his costs. If you truly owed the money, there's yeah. no reason why yeah. he shouldn't get his costs out of them. You could even go to the small claims court because your case sounds so simple and easy. Yeah, but 19,000, is it's, it's above the limit. I don't think it is. I, I thought I the limit was low. I yeah, the limit was the limit? I'm not really sure, but I would check that up because I think the limit has been moved up. Uh, but that, that's the, um, just for the commission, I then have to do the claim for the salary. salary. But I would go and check that out anyway, but yes, your lawyer can get his costs. That's not a problem. Oh, uh, okay. So he's just to, I'm um, just to advise him to go ahead and issue a summons. summons. Probably be oh, the easiest brilliant. and quickest. Okay, thanks very much for your informative show. Thanks, Thank Mandy. You. Good okay, luck to you. Care. You too. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. We're trying to get through these calls as fast as we can because they just keep on coming. Felicity in Verulam, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Fine and you. Thank you so much for your show, and I'm very happy to have the opportunity to speak to the lawyer. How can, we, how can we help, Felicity? Um, I have been um, employed by the Department of Education until... Uh, 2012, beginning at the end of 2012, and um, I, I, I retired at 65 at um, in September. But because I taught matric, I was asked by the principal to continue till the end of the year because I couldn't leave the students, uh, you know, during that critical time. And um, it has caused a bit of a complication because um, I should actually have left the day I turned 65. Right. I've, I've had to go three or four times. I've had to fill in my application forms for, for, um, for uh, re my retirement forms three times because they've either lost the papers or there's always been some complication. And up till today, I have not been paid a cent. I have been in hospital. They've cut my medical aid. So I'm actually relying on my family to support me. And um, I would like to know. Uh, I'm actually considering now to put, you know, to, to get a lawyer to help me. And I would like to claim all the interest um, that, that, you know, that, that, that has been accumulated since 2012. Yeah, it does sound like you can, and I, th I would recommend, because this is quite a serious problem because it's your pension, um, I, I would very strongly recommend a lawyer. Um, and yes, once again, you could claim your costs out of this. It just sounds like this is unbelievably bad administration. I don't even, I don't even think people are doing it to be nasty. I just think they're useless. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, I feel hard sore to tell you this, but you're probably going to have to do it, otherwise you'll never get any movement, and we're already two years down the line. Yes. Um, so and, I wouldn't uh, wait much longer. Thank you very much. Thank you Please, very much. Because, <laughs> you know, um, the, uh, I, I, because I worked October and I've, I've worked until the end of November, I also have not been paid for that for those two months. 
Yeah, now I've and, heard these stories uh, and before. They, they told me I should claim it from the principal because she was the one who 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 asked who knew the 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 the, the rule and and asked me to, to remain teaching. You know, so what they Even wanted. They, I told they, her that I was going to leave it at the end of September, but she still insisted. You know that I should teach. Yeah, I understand that, but you can't claim it from her personally. The school is a government school. The government has to then explain why they allowed you to stay on and work. Um, and you were told by your manager, who was your principal, uh, to stay on. I think you have a claim. I, I think it's worthwhile going to an attorney. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Felicity. Good luck to you. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Good, good night. night. Bye-bye. Melissa in the Eastern Cape. Good evening. Hello. Hi. I would just like to, uh, I'm phoning on behalf of my husband, actually, just to find out that he's actually with a transport company. Yeah. And he's been there for the last two years. He's been promised a, a salary of uh, 6,000 rand, and he's still on a four and a half. And uh, basically, they keep pulling him on and pulling him on, and uh, he hasn't got his increase. Is, and is he supposed to be permanent? Is there any uh, law uh, after being six months with the company or so to be permanent? No, they, they, he is permanent. Let me just answer that for you, regardless of what, what they say. He's permanent. Um, because Okay, because they always tell him that he's on a casual basis. They never give absolutely. him anything to sign to while letting him know that he is permanent. Does so they, he get a they're always telling him that he's on a casual basis. He's not casual and he's permanent. Does he get a payslip? Yes, he does. Well, please don't lose those payslips. You look after them for him. Uh, okay. In case they try somehow and do something silly by saying, now we're terminating your contract with us. Um, yes. He is a permanent employee. I can't tell you that he has to get his increase, but there is a bargaining council for the trucking industry. Um, okay. That, and I would suggest that you get get a chance tomorrow during working hours, phone them and get some of the rules and regulations and find out. Don't put his job in at risk. I won't. Don't, don't, yes, don't, yes, yes. don't tell them what company. Just go and find out from that trucking wherever you are. Um, okay. And I think I think there is. Are you in Port Elizabeth? Yes, I am. Well, there is one there. There are offices there. So please go and do that. But assure him from me that he is a permanent employee, no matter what they call him. The okay, because you're always act. making feel as if he's just on a casual basis. Uh, and make uh, him when he feel at the, the boss. Unease. It's not right. Yes, and they make him, you know, he's there for the last two years. And besides that, they keep, they keep talking about some financial year kicking in in June to get the increase. For the last two years since he started, they promised him the increase. Melissa, does so he, he hasn't got that yet. Melissa, does he have any sort of contract with them? Uh, they made him sign something, but it's just basically to say, well, he's with the company. They don't, they didn't tell him it's a contract, they didn't tell him anything. No. So they're actually just like stringing him on and he doesn't know exactly where his position is with the company. I would like you to go to that bargaining council if you get a chance tomorrow. Bargaining council, okay. The yes. second thing is they're taxing him a lot. We know about the UIF, there's a rule about the UIF, obviously, but they take a lot of tax out of his wages. Whether he's earning six, with his overtime, plus minus his basic and overtime comes to over six, maybe seven. But at the, the rate they're uh, taxing him, it's for someone that earns a salary about, I think, about ten or nine or eight, maybe no, nine or ten thousand. Again, that doesn't sound right. So once you've been to the bargaining council, you've spoken to them, ask them if they can check out his payslip. They'll probably yes. be able to advise you. If they can't, then you go down to the Receiver Revenues Office, which is also in Port Elizabeth, and you ask them to check it out as well, and they'll give you the correct answers. Because okay. it doesn't sound um, right what's happening. 
Okay, and just one more thing. Uh, when he approached the boss about these uh, wages a month ago, say about two or three months ago, they suspended him without pay. Is that, a, is that something you can no, do? They, they gave him a final written warning sign without the first and the second. No, they can't do that You either. need to go to the bargaining council first thing in the morning. And also find Melissa. out if he belongs to a trade union. He probably does, and he needs to also have a complaint to that trade because, union. Because they forced him to sign the final warning, and according to what we know, we don't know very much, that there has to be a first and a second. Yeah, well, that Correct. pretty much makes sense, yeah. yes. Yes, so they're not supposed to wait for no. him. No. Okay. No. And they can't just suspend him without pay for asking about an increase. Yeah, that, yes, okay. Happened. And he, he went to be that morning. So that's also in, in the paper over here, that because he came uh, late to something, that they suspended him for that reason. Can't do that. But the main reason was because he approached the boss and asked for his salary wasn't right. So they were very uh, rude to him at that point, yeah. that morning, and they suspended him without pay. Yeah, no, it can't be done. But I think the bargaining council is something that you must go to. He won't have time to do that. So if you can try and get there. Okay, and possible. just one last thing. Sorry, Quickly, Melissa. Uh, <laughs> uh, on public holidays, are they allowed to get paid? Yes, of course, double. And they actually deduct all the public holidays out of these wages. What? Is that is that something they can do? No, they can't. They certainly okay, because can't. they've been doing that from the beginning, and he's been getting because there's been so much public holidays lately. They actually deduct from his overtime nine days, uh, nine hours from each uh, day for has a day. He, has he been working on those public holidays, Melissa? No, yes, no. yes, and he works, and he doesn't get double pay for it as well. No, he must get double pay, and they can't deduct. So there's something very, very wrong. Please yes, go, I, go and do that investigation for him. Okay, according to what you told us, uh, you actually helped me a lot. Thank you very, very yeah, much. You've, got a, you've got a busy week ahead of you, Melissa. Okay. Yes, I do, <laughs> and I will make sure I go and uh, do exactly what you guys said. Please right. do, and let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear how it all went. I will definitely do so. Thanks, eh? Melissa. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night to you. Thank bye-bye. You. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, gosh. Um, we've got three more calls sitting there waiting for us. And I don't think we've literally got two minutes left at the end of the show. So Elvis in Polokwane, Andres in Tembisa, and Adam in Mpumalanga, Serious, sincere apologies, but really, we were so busy tonight. All the emails, we've had loads of calls. And if you maybe, if those of you who I couldn't get on Elvis, Andres, and Adam, maybe if you'd like to send your question to us via email, you can send it to law at safm.co.za and we'll try and help you. I'm sure Michael won't mind if it's a question. We can, re- we can reply not. to it via email as opposed to making you wait until next time. So send the email to law at safm.co.za and we'll try and help you as, as much as we can so you don't have to wait a whole month until Michael comes back. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Labour Law Attorney Michael Bagram, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report Programme. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday the 4th of August. I cannot believe it's almost the end of the year again. And remember, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. If you'd like any of those, post a message on Facebook. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Or you could email me on law at safm.co.za. And if you don't have access to Facebook, I will send you a list of those documents so then you can choose what you'd like to have. Michael, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and it was very exciting with all our listeners phoning in. It was in. a busy night when so you come So thank along. you, guys. Please keep listening and keep asking us difficult questions. We love it. Thank and you. I start sounding like I know what I'm talking about because I learned so much on the show.